You are listening to an Enoch Pratt Free Library podcast. Your journey. Your journey. Your journey. Your journey starts here. Here. Really amazing thing. There are flyers for this outside. So. 
So please, if you're a writer, if you're a poet, please consider contributing to the poetry contest. Um, it's a really fantastic, it's a really fantastic day. Um, so what we're going to do uh, before we turn on Kyle, our main reader, is uh, have a, uh, a sample of some of the poets that have been through the Kalikata program um, from the local area. And poor uh, Abdul, even if you start with last names, Abdul always tends to go first. Uh, so with, uh, without uh, any uh, further ado, the author Tulsi Abdul Ali. How's everyone going? Doing on this rainy day. Dead? <laughs> We're here. Yes, yeah. All right. So I thought I would read something appropriate for the occasion. It's called uh, Hard Rains in the Fall. And, um, well, I'll just read it. This is Baltimore. I know how this narrative plays out. I resist the urge to show physical intimacy. This would be too much of a stereotype, right? Nurturing black figure, absorbing white angst. There's a swollen fruit stuck in my throat, a question I shouldn't ask, but I'm begging to know the answer. Is he okay? Was he harmed? Was the perp black? Not necessarily in that order. This is where a difference falls like ash, and we collectively share breath. Right? This should be a moment where we can just be two fathers concerned about the young. This should be a thousand other endings. But it ain't. I rehearse the aftermath. You taking a drive to clear your head, turning up Bob Dylan in your minivan, hitting the accelerator, and screaming, that effing nigger pulled a gun on my boy. I want to know about this internal monologue. So I ask, what did your son say about this? He smiles. He just asks if he could get a new iPhone. Flashback. The tree outside my window waves to me. Its limbs, shadow puppets, the moon, a bald cameraman. I'm five years old again. The night sings to me. The tree is a monster. I try to scream, nothing. There's a wooden box in my sock drawer where a dozen used roses that I stole at your funeral are now crimson crisp, fragile, like how I imagine you in the ground, fetal position, butt-bodied, all curlicue. One touch and crack is all over, your memory reduced to pieces. I hold on to my memory of your face, if five o'clock shadow moves in, I won't sleep or blink or yawn. You, Grandpa, were so sure about death, less so about life. You talked about the 2000s, like apocalypse was sure to arrive in a spaceship, a stolen election, another war. Your memory of yesterday's century, translucent, pungent, all those banana peels overripe screaming to be released. At twilight hours, I pace room to room. The moon dances behind the Venetian blinds, entering in slices. The letter you mailed the, the day before you died, now moth yellow, 
my slot door. Inside the envelope is a photograph, bow-legged yellow boy, a two-inch fro, my hands spread-eagled. We must have been playing airplanes. I'm looking at the ground, never up.
Top is a leaner in the soft vowels. The syrup of me fit right out of your mouth. I'm in every shotgun story you know. Like the time you and your sister heard that rap when y'all was playing in tall grass and Auntie Service Jew joint? Mm-hmm. A matter of fact, the two of that big boy was couldn't play the pressure by chicken and running around with one hand, grabbing her shotgun with the other, kept it set. But I evolved too, baby. My young creatures keep me so fresh and so clean. I glean in the grits you pour butter on and yes, sugar, because I do as you do, my beautiful brown children. When you spray to California, Wisconsin, New York, Illinois, and Ohio, you take me with you. You make mentors. Teach your children how to work hard with such sweet little meat. You cut rat chunks into your oxtail soup. You house the children of this cousin, that father, this sister, and raise them as your own, arms always extended in the neck of family of blood. How I groomed you, child. But you hear, she ain't got a pocket piss in or a window to throw it out of. And what you get in here is what you get around of. I'm always at your table. The hot sauce you want on Friday's fried fish, that hanger for smothered pork chops you get on dreary November days. I lecture you in your sleep. When the shepherd of past relatives show up, you wait, no one gets in a visitation. If you tell your mama she'll reach for that nose book. I keep one of your feet planted firmly in my red clay, be it Little Rock, Pine Bluff, or Crisp County, Georgia, with honey names like May, Cousin Peaches, Grease, Junebug. I keep your mind running in circles, connected with blood to family, friends, and dash. Baby girl, you'll never be free me. All the black bodies I consumed, y'all's blood makes the soil shine. The roots of your family tree may shift so some of the dirt falls across the basic Dixon line, but I will always claim you as mine, mine, mine. If you ever change your mind about leaving, leaving me behind. Thank you. Brothers passing by bob their heads to Chuck Brown's busting loose that shakes 
a nearby battered car. On the passenger seat, in an envelope of crisp dollar bills, all he has to do is get her in his viewer and start shooting. There's an outdoor bar, screens young sports, briefly shook down the spurs in the playoffs. Then, like a hiccup, she pops up in a green dress and black leggings that hug her supermodel body. Her shoulder-length brown locks bounce to her heel rhythm on the concrete runway. She doesn't care if she's caught. She feels justified. Wasn't her husband too busy to spend time with her? Weren't her suspicions nudged by the toothpaste fresh on his breath, or his soap set strong after a day of power lunches and evening cocktails? Her husband says she told him not to visit her at work anymore. She's with the guy whose goatee and shades say he's a playboy. But they can be the hand-holding couple the pride that I saw earlier, strolling past Smoothie Hut and Pop Belly Sandwich Shop. The detective lifts his Nikon to the gaping window and remembers when someone caught his wife stepping out. He almost blurred the shot when he spots the woman's Trojan horse tattoo on her left shoulder. The same one his ex-wife had on her right ankle. Disturbance. <clears throat> a shirtless man with rags for pants walks up to a car and asks for change. He wipes his sweaty stomach with a rolled-up jersey. Around him are the sounds of police sirens, the rush of traffic at the intersection. You imagine he might be a war veteran because of the army fatigue pants. The remaining hair gathers around the bald spot on his head, the way a forest surrounds a clearing he played in long ago. You playing kickball with your friends were frightened then by the voices you heard from beyond the trees. You are eight or nine in a white tee and khaki shorts, watching from a McDonald's, slurping a Sprite through a skinny straw, wondering what the driver said to make the vet spit on the car, jump on the hood, and start sounding the windshield. That's when the world becomes scarier, when you discover the darkness that lurks outside your happy meal life. When you learn danger needs little to combust and consumes whatever's in its way. Customers run to McDonald's and you almost hear what leaves the spill lace mouth of the beggar. People inside press to the windows like salt against the sides of the shaker you pick up and fool with out of nervousness. The crowd forms a semicircle around the driver locked in his car on the cell. The beggar punching the glass and kicking the fender. You go back to the clearing when you imagine cardinals pecking rugs before the sounds of a larger animal send them scattering. Thank you.
I made the ill-advised decision to wear stilettos on a really rainy day. So if I happen to fall up or down the stairs, if you just act like you didn't see that or if it was just, you know, like a death drop, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so um, I have been writing a series of poems about Guyanese, about um, figures in Guyanese mythology. One of them is called The Old Hive. Um, just for some background, the old hike um, is a hunchback, old black and brown woman um, who basically goes around and convinces women to kill their husbands. So I wrote the book because she's badass. So this is called The Old High Ghost Hunting. Legend holds that I am ugly and suit, covered in frightful disdain, but rather I glory in my own sight. Naked black wrinkled flesh, breasts low hanging bright fruit, my sex a shining damp shell. At night while you slumber, I go flying, crowned in blue fire above the Mahaika, my skin left sleeping in bed. There are those who would argue my midnight visits for madness or court of women who cut machetes as they would my breasts and do a violence to their men. I say the taste of me intoxicates, for which is my beloved's to cut out what keeps them tethered and sighing, toiling in heat for a man that does no good. In truth, this way is no easier. Boys spread white salt and rice and strict lines to bar me from my own skin. My own beloved shy with fear when they first see me. But then I reach out my hands, hold them to my chest, and sing the history of old black women digging and crafting this ancient earth into consciousness. I say, this is yours. Take it. And they come. Shuddering with power. And so uh, this last poem is um, called B.C. Taylor's Ballad. Um, for those of you who don't know, B.C. Taylor um, was a black woman who was kidnapped by approximately six or seven white men um, in the great in the 1950s. What well, makes her um, case different from, unfortunately, the many women, black women that this happened to is the fact that she pressed charges and they went to trial. And there's an epigraph from um, one of her rapists. Act, like, act just like you do with your husband while cut your damn throat. Perfect love it. To be an American is to love the roads that try to kill me. Dust, the desperate beat of Fanny's stout white fists against the green Chevy, a murder of white men packed inside, their pale hands a lesson on patriotism and allegiance. To be an American is to love God, to love how we can call out his name maybe a thousand times in an endless, bloody, breaky night to glory in the silence of an answer that never comes. I am an American because I call a thing a thing. Love is my child. Home is wherever my daddy goes, frantic, searching for my body. And what those seven white men did in all those godless hours was break me, laugh, train steel at my heart. My God, if I waited for you, maybe I'd be 
palm trees, the taste of my blood lingering in its roots, a shamed footnote and another black man's sorrow. You let me keep my tongue. I'll use it to set this world on fire. Thank you.
playground after preschool day, apple pancake Saturday day, take a different toy with your mother day, brush and floss daddy, mouthwash or water pick daddy, I'm gazed at a picture of four-year-old eyes and wonder how you could have yelled so loud daddy, lunchbox strawberries drizzled in honey daddy, bring mommy flowers just because daddy, Apples and peanut butter, Daddy. Homemade salsa, Daddy. 2.2 mile job most mornings, Daddy. We are late every day. Get your butt out of this house, Daddy. I'm sorry I took that tone, Daddy. Track me, Daddy. Soccer game and practice, Daddy. Chicken in the crock pot or indirect grill. I cook dinner when I'm not here at home, Daddy. Downstairs, late nights brushing pencil on essays, Daddy. Summer, Sunday, lazy morning, Daddy. Roller coaster, Daddy. Bike ride, slow-mo video jump, mid-swing, Daddy. Bedtime, car ride, bonus, sleeping, carry, Daddy. Daddy's favorite girl, Daddy. Daddy's favorite dare, Daddy. Love more than regret, Daddy. Thank you. Ever since I met you, 
I can eat depression. Too hot. Can I get away? Can you get away? You can only mess with you because your friends wouldn't have you caught slumming. No, you could if you said, I look the same, and I said, you look the same, and I said, it don't crack, do it. And you say, okay. What's that thing right there? Would have loved to take you somewhere we could get in his tail. Make jokes out loud, you're supposed to text or email. Why don't you message but don't post it on Facebook? Send you back to your little friends, your little fancy friends that work for nonprofits and foundations and colleges and shit. Not that I can't talk fancy to you, I can use terms like microaggression and heterosexism and senses of you, but I'm country. I'm bound to slip that Boga Lusa, Boga Lusa, Hanson County in, louder than you with the Baptist Church in the back back at. Don't run into your fighting ass out for a moment, just me and you. Dissertation committee ain't got to know you like little Lucy. Come be well as you was when you came up here for like five minutes. Come get this dinner so I can send you back before they find out you ate all the three crap, your little friends. Um, and this last one, um, actually, um, comedians, okay. This one is called Bad Haiku Workshop. The fewer descendants of slaves you have to deal with, the better the school. Without slavery, all the schools would be good. It's time we acknowledge this. When we say this school, we mean a school unburdened by slave project. But this school is one with very few descendants of African slaves. The school unburdened by the descendants of slaves is called a good school. I send my kids to good schools where there are very few descendants of slaves. Seriously, he's 
Um, amazingly brilliant, actually, and, and, and humble at the same time, which is a great a combination, a rare combination, a rare uh, a combination in, in, in the literary world. Um, he's, uh, he's also one of those poets who, when you buy one of his books, and you will buy one of his books here today, by the way, you have to get, you have to get this book. Um, you wind up writing by all of them and uh, going on the journey uh, that he takes, that he, that he did on with him. Um, he's a longer five books, um, and there are five magnificent books that have been highlighted and nominated for awards and won awards and all that. But basically, I don't know. I, I, I would just understand it just to say, six praises and just say how wonderful, how wonderful person he is, um, and, and embarrass me even more if that's possible. Um, so I'll stop. Um, because we want to hear him as opposed to just say it's crazy. So it's a great pleasure to hear him out of our And company. Happy birthday, 
and I hope to you, Josephine, one of the East most wanted. May heaven be filled with literate men. May they bed you with respect.
This is not my making any ecstatic sleep deprived street to affirm what is the incarnation. Yet for so many files of my heart, during self-pitying pre-dawn hours, I have watched you on the infant monitors etched in night green vision. You sit up like a flummoxed soul newly returned to Earth's cradle, handing without panic the geometry of your blue wall nursery. Outside, the sun waits to rise so that humankind can continue ending. I am tired, but not foolish enough to assume the gaze you have, one that lays a hard dark like a lighthouse's beam. It is one ignorant of our waning world. Matter of fact, she has landed here before, I think. Your brain, a box unboxing old maps, half true, half useless, atop the freshly burned skin of nations. Lay back down, though you are not animated by some trance to be dislodged from. Relent, that too you never do. How shaping the bed to one who has already lived a lifetime's worth of nightmare of dreaming. You soon convince yourself to throw one pajama leg and lift your body across the crisp rails of ledge. You plummet, breaching into the day's painful boundlessness, drawn again to this irresistible pilgrimage of falling. Roots and tubers like patholes, 
Their minds catalog the ingredients of their own faces as well as the eyes and pores of others, biped or quad, in their memories. Emotionally keener than the cats and dogs so many shelter as family. All have prowess, yet most pigs live and die in its little quarters no broader than their bodies. I have tasted constriction. I know the spirit may be liberated through fire. Maybe I want to be called led to freedom. Remember what sizzles on the pit, heart, chitlins, hog bog removed. It is no longer the pig. The pig is running celestial soil full parsecs into the future, forging for troubles, north stars. It can taste but cannot see.
Yeah, yeah. You have to. <laughs> oh, she can stay. Here. We can. Can we? Can we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Would you like this to? Huh? Yeah, I think the rest of the leaders have to come, come up, right? Or no? We can sit on the stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come yeah, yeah. yeah, on. Thank you for um, for bringing Mr. Seal into the uh, yes. into the room. Um, actually, back back into this room. This is where we were. Right? I have that picture somewhere. Um, To, uh, in addition to Lucille, uh, what are the other influences? Who else is, has influenced your your work? Uh, the short version, I know it's like a lot of different people, but but are there particular people, particularly for this book, that were sort of touchstones that you went back to and sort of said, you know, this is who I'm writing to or at or toward? What say? I you know, I had to think a long time about quality of citizen because, you know, I, I respected the book for what it was doing, mm -hmm. but I also, in part, really, I, I, I resented to a degree the ways in which I think, and I think this was a part of part of quality um, of strategies, like. Now, how do, I, how do I frame this in a way that I can actually penetrate the white consciousness, right? Which is a difficult thing to do. Um, but at the same time, you know, this, that thing, it's like, well, why, why, do we have to, why do we have to be talking about things we experience in a way that, right, caters to, to that perspective? So that was something I struggled with for a long time with that book. And then, like, a couple of years later, I was reading an interview um, that Solange did, and she was talking about a seat at the table. Which is the album I love, and she was saying that Claudia Rankin Citizen was a big influence on the seat at the table um, in terms of the candor with which Rankin spoke about the experiences that she sort of details in the collection. And also, too, right there's, there's a lot of, I guess you'd call it genre bending in Citizen, in the sense that you know, people, some people think it's prose, some people think it's poetry. So there's, there's prose and poetry in Anarisis. And you know, part of that was sort of like looking at Citizen, looking at the impact that it had, look at it, looking at the impact it had on other artists that I really uh, was interested in too. Like I have you know, a great amount of respect for Claudia Rankin too, and like you know what she does. But to see that it was also like reaching people like Salon, I was like, huh. So like maybe I need to to think about opening things up a bit more, right? So that I, I don't know if that's something that people would immediately know, but like that was sort of like behind the conception of the book. Mm -hmm. There's other people. Is the influences question open to Yeah, yeah. Does anybody yeah. else want to talk about influences? Yeah. And 
Who, who inspires or influences you? We wouldn't be sitting here without Joey Haricot and Marina Z, both of whom I agree to as our foreign analogy because they encountered it time to come. But also, especially Cornelius, I've always admired the fact that his work is kind of, it is right there on the page in terms of, and this is a word that different books are different about, but the accessibility of his work, the way that he takes the everyday, the way he takes in the poem April, uh, takes sort of looking at spring and the body's renewal in, in response to spring and it elevates it to the level that ideally poetry elevates everything somebody can have to. Um, and a toy that takes on a really difficult family style in their poems. Um, you know, it always be very positive. Um, and I have to extract and I have to words. Uh, and, and also their their respect for the ancestors and those who who uh, who came before, so, you know, whether it's the Black Arts Movement or uh, or or the poets or Harlem uh, Renaissance poets or Dickinson, Whitman, etc. Um, so those those two, two of the names are one I would mention. I just want to say I think I would like to say that I wanted to thank Kyle for. Um, uh, for the opportunity to read ahead of him and uh, his generosity. And it's very gratifying to have uh, seen him, uh, I've always told him this, but coming to AU 17 years ago or so. And you know, uh, with his first book, and to now uh, be at AU and to, uh, to, to have done what he's done, uh, uh, I, I, I was thinking on the way here that um, uh, he, he's probably, he's going to be one of these people that, you know, down the road people will realize what he's doing and, and you know, right now, but not right now. And I'm glad that he um, was recognized uh, for, for um, with that, with the prize. Um, but um, as far as my um, uh, inspirations and influences, um, I, I, I kind of want to speak because of what you said about Cornelius. That's, he's huge. Um, for me, and to have had him at AU um, at the time I did was um, uh, he he really changed the game. Uh, Brutal Imagination mm -hmm. uh, is still one of the one of my top five collections of all time. Uh, and and then people that I encountered at Kylie Khan, uh, I felt like I was writing, I'm trying to write like Colleen uh, McElroy for a while after I had her at um, at Cave. Um, I love Charles Bukowski. Make a big jump and say what. Also, a game changer for me on that and changed what I, what poetry could be. Um, so, uh, expanded the horizons of what it was open, what was okay to call upon. Um, and Wendelin uh, Brooks, who is, I never, obviously never met her, but I feel she's like a, a mother to me from some distant place. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, those four Bukowski, Edie, Wendelin Brooks. Colleen, I love Tracy K. Smith, um, especially one day. So, um, hello. <laughs> <laughs> see, um, outside of poetry, um, filmmakers, mm -hmm. independent mm -hmm. filmmakers, um, I, I think Trouble Sleeping definitely is uh, attentive to. Um, I wanted the poem, the image, you know, to kind of 
I always think it's cool to see that uh, poets can occupy these other spaces, you know, whether it's um, within writing or whether it's in other mediums. So. Tasha Trethewey. She just wants to say that. Let's call out some of the names. Questions from the audience? Yeah, are there any questions from the audience? Before we wrap up. I'll ask. Okay. Late to class, but I, I can catch up. <laughs> I'm just seeing Gavin, Joanne Gavin's my mom. try to bring someone in who may not be able to relate to your experience, and if so, how? So if you may be a male, you might want to bring in a woman, but do you find yourself having to explain a little bit more about your feelings or something like that? Do you go into your process with a conscious uh, type of scope, or is it like, mm, if they get it, they get it, if they don't, they don't? Can y'all speak to that? Yeah. So I think, um, well, the best part of our process was when um, I was in this work study program, and I, the work study program I was in, there were uh, nobody was interested in poetry. And um, the cool thing, though, about that was, you know, once I finished uh, writing a graphic or poem or whatever, I would actually read it to some of them, or you know, have them take a look at it. And for me, you know, it see like what made sense, what worked. Um, I wouldn't change complete, completely change the piece for them, but it was interesting to see how people outside of that world, you know, if the work resonated with them or it didn't. And um, if they looked at uh, maybe a few poems, just seeing what topics and issues resonated with them, I think it kind of helped me get out of myself. And you know, just kind of keep myself grounded and like, is, is my work still accessible or am I too shut into what I'm doing for anyone to kind of craft the code and figure out what's happening? So, definitely people outside of that and my, my mother too. You know, she's asking a bunch of questions and I'm like, okay, there's going to be other people probably asking those uh, similar questions too. So, definitely a part of my process. Thank you. I mean, I, I think I think more about whether or not my phones are actively keeping certain people out 
more so than they're inviting that. Because yeah. I, don't, I don't have any control over whether or not you walk into the room of poem, right? That's out of my control. Whether or not I keep you out of the room of the poem, like that's something I have control over. And I think that's, that's why it's useful to have amongst sort of like the artistic mix of people that you bounce ideas and work off, like different people, because sometimes there's, things, there's something that you might think is sort of innocuous that to someone else is like, you know, I saw this and like if I didn't know you, like this would have kept me out of your home, right? So I think that's it's just why it's useful to get different eyes on the things you do because you're not always aware of the things that, you know, maybe alienated others. I, I'm very conscious of that, and I, I admit that um, word choice in my poems quite often are, will be dictated by whether I want, how much work I want the reader to do. And the answer is not a lot. Um, in my, um, my forthcoming collection, um, I'm somewhat influenced by, uh, I think, uh, Claudia uh, Rankin and Simpson. Kind of the research that went into that. So my my forthcoming collection has ten or eleven pages of notes because I don't want the reader to have to go outside of the book to look up anything. I want them well, mostly in, uh, just about anything. So there are quotes from articles in it. Um, it's um, so bottom line is I because I want to appeal to people who don't read poetry. I obviously want poets to to think of peers to think of me as competent. Um, but I also want people who don't read poetry to read my poetry, and I don't want them to do the work that I do for folks' poetry. Um, you know, if I have your book, your book is ruined. If, if, you, if you make arcane references in it, I write those references in the margin, because the next time I come back to it, I'm not doing that work. I want to be able to read the poem straight through, uninterrupted, because it's uh, because having to look up words interrupts the experience for me. So um, so I do want to bring people in, and, and and I felt like by having a copious note section that I could maybe still use some of the things that like you know bigger words or arcane concepts that maybe average people don't talk about, and as long as I had it accessible to them, they they would be more inclined to go check it out as opposed to having to Google. Um, so. I, so it's like that granular for me, um, as far as bringing folks in, and um, and then you know obviously being willing to broach topics that are uncomfortable. A lot of my uh, uh, I'm trying to talk about uh, sexuality and, and the con a lot of the controversies of the um, Obama years, basically gay marriage and stuff like that. So those topics are in my poems, and um, to be able to voice to 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 give voice to. Uh, the people who are, you know, who were, uh, as things are changing, as we're learning new gender terms and all these things, to voice those, um, th like you're just uh, ignorance of these things and learning this new language is part of what I, in my poem that you may have missed, but talking about microaggression and, and heterosexism, and this is a whole other terminology out there. And so I'm, I'm trying to let people know that, um, you know, I, I, I'm aware of the, change um, and, and um, change in our society that you know may jar that are jarring to people who may have thought they were pretty decent folks before <laughs> before you know they, they had to learn these new concepts and 
So be willing to talk about that, which is uncomfortable, though I think that that's part of widening the scope and having people see themselves in the poetry and say things that they might actually say. When I'm writing, um, I think it would somehow uh, stifle the creative process if I thought about the audience or that kind of thing. But when I do poetry readings uh, in different spaces, I'm always intentional about listening to how people react to the poems, and that helps me because, you know, sometimes folks, you know, they have some really good feedback, and I'm like, oh, wow, maybe I may need to. Um, do some research, or um, something off, or, um, or something like that. But I, I find it would be too risky for me to think about writing towards a certain audience as I'm supposed to be creating. I think for me, it kind of goes back to like amazing writing. Like I think I started writing because you know, I was, I was six year old, no, seven, seven year old old, you know, black girl, and like there wasn't anyone around me who wasn't necessarily an army. I, I, I was not using that. I was not a baby genius. I was not using that language of, you know, crying out for affirmation at seven. Um, but what I will say is that um, as I've gotten older, I don't know if it's because I'm turning like curmudgeonly or just really grumpy, but now like I feel like I'm in a place like wherever I go, I'm just going to be who I am because I never know who's in the audience who needs to hear, you know, from another fat black queer woman about like their experiences. You know, I was actually thinking about when we were at the African American Museum in Philadelphia. <laughs> so we're part of a book of Black Ladies Rights Collective. And um, I have a poem called Harriet Tubman is Lesbian. And so, you know, a lot of church folk bought tickets to come and see us uh, read. And so, you know, I have Harriet Tubman is Lesbian, and there's another poem called Ode to the Great Lynn, where I'm writing a love poem to Lilo. And so um, <laughs> then I started reading Harriet Tubman is Lesbian. All the church ladies got up and like just it was like corridor breath, like sashing out, you know? Um, and I felt like their prayers for me as, as they exited um, room, you know, and how they called on Jesus. Um, and so so I said all of that to say is um, you know, I'm gonna pay for poetry and I'm not at house status. Never read at reading and why? 
<laughs> I think the boss is want to <laughs> wants us to wrap up. Um, Carla, you wanted to say something? Okay. I can move you because I have to. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, so thank you for coming out this incredible afternoon of course. I don't know about any of you, but um, when you saw that it was rainy and dreary on the outside, people say, wow, I have not to go here. But I knew once I got here, I would be good. Because Courtney does that to you, just feed your soul. I write fiction, but I can look forward to to feed me. And you guys did that for me today. Come over here and you say one. Um, see you later, but also a lot of though, and it's very proud of you. I also want to say, everybody here. Yes. Okay, you know, the party for that, you show us. And this clip is a very, very good friend of mine. And it's interesting, it's an incredible uh, poet she was. She always wondered if she would be remembered. Yeah. And I recently said to her daughter, Sydney, if your mother knew how often her name showed up at poetry readings all over the country, she would be stunned. So to hear her name, to hear someone pay homage to her, to hear just someone speak her name out loud, that's like a treasure. And you should know too that the Clifton House, which is in Baltimore, will be opening, I think, 2021. But we plan a little gathering here, of course, gathering, you name it. But it will be a place to, to go and to be a poet. So just stay tuned for more information about that. Um, Kyle, I don't know if you know this or heard this, but many, many years ago, um, Kyle published um, the excerpt of my novel. He was the editor of that. So just know that I follow you in my heart and I follow your work. And you, I always consider him a quiet poet, but all his work feels like a punch. So I appreciate your work, and I appreciate you being out in the world. I also appreciate you doing this, being a parent, knowing what that goal that is, and that takes. But um, just to close out, we want you to say the date, Saturday, March 21st, 2020. The Secret Festival goes back to the Pratt in partnership. It is a day-long festival. It is for folks and guests to work and celebrate. It's for folks and writers to do a lot of things in one day. It's free of charge. We serve every genre there. We tell people to get out of the way and think about uh, how poetry serves your work, how creative nonfiction serves your work. Uh, we will have people, we haven't announced the writers just yet, but stay tuned, we'll be coming out of Congress, I guess, January or March or February sometime. But um, we have a host, a list of a good 20 sessions available for uh, poets and writers everywhere. It will feed your spirit, and you need to spread the word some fabulous things are happening. We also want to be sure to invite you to City Lit Project, City Lit Holiday Happy Hour, uh, 5 to 8, December 19th. It will be at the Motor House. Bring your friends, you know, even if you don't know anywhere in the porch or literary field, just come. You know, we'll introduce you to a host of people. We'll, uh, we want to hear about your writer's achievements. We want to hear about what you're working on. We just want to get to know you. So please come on out, December 19th, at the Thursday. You can make that at 5 to 8. Just stop by. And we'd love to have you there. Uh, thank you all. Thank you for coming today. Thank you, Reggie. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, all you guys for coming out And thank you, most of all, for joining us. Uh, one thing about poetry, it is a wonderful thing to hear it. 
but it's a better experience to read it. So please buy the books and you'll be glad you did. Thank you so much. This podcast is a production of the Enoch Pratt Free Library and the Maryland State Library Resource Center. For more information and to access more library resources, please visit prattlibrary.org.